our series called Big, and um, this evening what I want to do is just take the thought of um, big help. So I want to just talk about big help. And uh, as I was driving over here, there was a few thoughts that came to me, and I was just frantically writing them down, because what I really want to do, you know, the whole point of preaching is not to, um, it's not for a guy at the front or a girl at the front to show how clever they are or how good they are. That is not good communication. That is not good preaching. It's not to get everybody rocking and rolling, although we do want you to have a whole load of fun when we're talking. But the whole point of preaching, and it's not a talk, it's not just filling a gap. The whole thought around preaching is to communicate something of God's heart into each of us, the preacher included. And I want to talk about big help, because on this series that we've been looking at, we've been looking at big catch, big church, big life, you know, a big purpose, all kinds of things that sit over yours and my life, which are big, but also we need big help. And why do I say that? Because I come across many, many people, and I understand why we do this, but we live off our emotions. We live off our feelings. And let me say, Jesus and God created us to be feeling kind of people. So I'm not against, please don't misunderstand me, my opening remarks, that I'm expecting everybody to be like regimented, sit there, do as you're told, just walk out, army, yes sir, and out you go. I'm not, I'm not at all, you know, saying that. But equally, I've come across a lot of people and a lot of Christians who live out of their emotions, live out of their feelings. And that affects everything around their world. And there are some things that I just want to show us tonight from God's word, which I believe will be a big help. Will be a big help to us. But before we do that, I came across this story and I was frantically, for those who thought I wasn't engaged in the first minute of worship, I was, but a funny story just came to mind. I thought, I wonder if I could get it off the internet. And it was on the internet, which is brilliant. And I don't know whether you've ever had this feeling where nothing ever seems to go right. Has anybody had that kind of experience where you'd feel like nothing? Oh, there was a few hands straight up. Okay. There was a bunch of new recruits, and they were making their first parachute jump. It's a shame Terry Connor isn't here tonight, because he loves jumping out of planes. And the sergeant gives the instructions to these new recruits. He says, after you jump out the plane, count slowly to ten, and your parachute will automatically open. If it doesn't, Pull the emergency ripcord. And when you get to the drop zone, there'll be trucks waiting to take you back to the base. Now move out. As scared as they are, they all make it out the door. And the last recruit jumps out and slowly counts to ten. But nothing. He frantically fumbles around and finds the emergency handle ripcord. He jerks on the cord and it comes off in his hand. But still the parachute doesn't open. Raising his head to the heavens, he screams, and I bet those trucks aren't waiting for me either. (laughs) Have you got it? Sometimes it could feel like nothing ever goes right. And we can live off our feelings and not from our facts. I wonder if if you've got a Bible, if we could get it on the screen, that would be awesome. To 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, I just want to give... A headline text verse, but then we're going to delve into Psalm, Psalm 73. But 2 Corinthians 5, 
and uh, verse 7 says this. For we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. As I said in my opening remarks, there are many people, and you might be like that tonight, and the whole thought of my sharing is not to bring any sense of condemnation to you. What it is there is to actually bring some encouragement to you, to strengthen you tonight. Because there is big help that God wants to bring to you. Because many of us can live by what we see and by what we feel. If things are going great, we're all great. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we're all like it, let's be honest. When things are great, we're feeling great. But when things are bad, we're feeling bad. But the Apostle Paul who wrote this was encouraging the church at Corinth to not live by what they see or by what they feel, but to live by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is the one who was able to, you know, confess that actually in the God or in the bad, I'm able to rejoice in the Lord. He's the one who encourages us to rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. He's the one who was in a prison cell with his buddy Silas, and he'd been whipped and put in chains for no, nothing. He'd done nothing wrong. And about midnight, Acts chapter 16 records, they began to sing praises to God. They began to lift up the name of Jesus. They began to just declare the wonders of God. They were determined not to live by what they felt, but they were living by faith in Jesus Christ. It's so important that if we want to really succeed, and I use that word carefully, in this Christian life, you must listen to me tonight. This is big help. Because otherwise you will have a roller coaster kind of Christian experience. A roller coaster where where things are good, you're good. But when things are bad, you're really bad. And we all face challenges in our lives. But God wants to lay something in us tonight that will really be a big help. And so what I want to do, I want to take you to Psalm 73. Because in Psalm 73, I see a... um, A musician by the name of Asaph who writes this psalm. Again, I wonder if we could get the verses on the screens just to be a a help to those who may not have brought their Bibles or don't own a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, then please come and see us at the end and we'd love to give you one. I'm sure we've got a Bible here and if we haven't got one here, we'll make sure we get one for you. But Psalm 73 is an interesting psalm. Does anybody know this psalm well? I doubt it. Because it's not one of the Psalm 23 or Psalm 46 or, you know, Psalm 1. We know many of those, Psalm 150. This is not a familiar psalm, and yet there's such incredible truth in this psalm. Let me paint you a picture. Asaph is really, really angry. He's really ticked off with God. He's really frustrated He feels demoralized. He feels despondent. And he feels discouraged. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Am I talking to anybody tonight? Have we ever felt like this in our lives? 
Asaph was exactly like this. He'd served God. He'd done his best. He'd done everything that God had asked him to do. And yet nothing was going right for him. And to make matters worse, Andy, not only were things going right for him, everything was going right for those who he considered to be evil. Has anybody ever seen that? Where you're doing the right thing and yet everything seems to be going wrong in your life. But you look on and you see those who are definitely doing the wrong thing and they seem to be blessed. Anybody ever had that experience? Give me a wave. It's so frustrating. And we start to question God. And we start to come before God and say, God, what is all this about? I'm serving you. I'm doing my best for you. And yet, here these people are. They're being blessed of God. If you don't believe me, let's just have a look at a few verses. He starts well in verse 1. Asaph writes, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. You think this is going to be a great psalm, and then it goes downhill very quickly. But as for me, is that the right one? Yeah, but as for me, my feet had I'd, I'd almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. That's where I wanted to get. Verse 3. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Let's move on. Verse 4. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Let's stay there. Has anybody ever said that to themselves? You might not envy the arrogant, but you think to yourself, these people, they have no struggles. I'm feeling sick and not particularly great, but they're doing great. Their bodies are healthy and strong. It's so frustrating when you see somebody like that. Let's move on to verse 5. They are free from common human burdens. So what Asaph was basically saying is, no trouble comes to them. They're all right. But here I am, God. Bear in mind, this is a music, this is a psalm to God. He's writing this to God. But what he's basically saying is, they're all right, Jack. I'm pretty ticked off with you, God. You might be here tonight thinking, can you say those kinds of things in church? Yeah, you can. Because we've all been there. We've all been frustrated And if you haven't been, I want to bring some good news to you. You soon will be. Because there'll be people around your world who you think to yourself, that's not fair. God, what are you doing? And this is where Asaph was at. They are not plagued by human ills. Does it move on to then verse, let's go to verse 9 if we can. This is an interesting verse. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. And their tongues take possession of the earth. He was basically saying everything they confess, they get. That seems like blab and grab to me. They confess, they get. God, this is not right. And then to make matters worse, let's go to verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Flipping eck, a good Mansfield phrase. Flipping eck. I have, at times, I've been exactly there. God, I'm doing all this good stuff for you, and it ain't working out for me, and I'm now going to have, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a pity party. Nobody else is invited, just me. I'm going to put my party hat on and I've got my blower. I'm going to have my cheese and tomato sandwiches. 
So when people come along, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just having this pity party because look at them over there. Look at those in my office. They're swearing and cursing. They've got no idea of God. And look at them in that new car. It's not right. Look at those people over there. They've got the, they've got the book to a holiday. Not just a holiday, another holiday. It doesn't seem right. Just liven up tonight. Anybody ever said any of these things? It's just not fair. Anybody ever been like that? It's not fair. And we start doing this. You can see I'm well versed in having a tantrum. It goes with both feet. It's not a march, it's just a tantrum. Some of you who've had kids, you know what it's like. We laugh about our kids, but sometimes we can be like it as well, can't we? But big help. Because Asaph was in this real predicament. And he was living out of his feelings. He was living out of his feelings. He was living out of what he was seeing and not out of the faith in God. And I want to just lay some big help into you. I want to make you stronger tonight. Anybody up for that? To make you stronger. I've told you before, muscles, spiritual muscles. That's what I want to do. To Just lay some spiritual muscles on you. That's going to help you to push you. Because you're going to always have occasions where it seems like those who are wrong, everything's going right for them. And don't focus on that. Focus on God. Because God is working out something in your life that is precious. It's precious of gold and silver and diamonds. It's refined in the fire. It's precious to God. So we see Asaph really frustrated. But I want to just then take you to verse 16. Because there are three points that I want to make. But I just want to read these verses through to give you the context. Then it will be very easy to finish up at the end. He then says in verse 16, so he's, he's lamented before God, he's seriously ticked off. You've got the idea, haven't you? You're quiet tonight. You've got the idea that he's pretty ticked off. And then he says this, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. <laughs> or it deeply troubled me. Again, he's just, he's in a hole. He wants to crawl up in a, in a corner and die. He's just fed up. I sometimes, you know, look around and I get fed up. I'm just being honest with you tonight. I get fed up because I think, what is all this about? But he does something very, very important in verse 17. He says, it was very oppressive to me. I was deeply troubled till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. We'll come back to that. Verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. Look at this, verse 21 and 22. This shows you how aggrieved he was. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. You get the idea that, anybody ever done that? I know you ladies have never said any, done anything like that, all you blokes, it's just me who does that, but, 
you feel like a brute beast. You want to tear somebody's head off. And this is what Asaph was like. But I just want to read the last few verses because it is worthy. We'll whip through them quickly. You just go and do your own study on this. But this is what I want to say. Verse 23. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but for you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You see, in the midst of this psalm, in the midst of this story, in the midst of this feeling, he's being controlled by his feelings. Something happened when he comes in the house of God. And something turns for him. And at the end of the psalm, we see him declaring God. We see he just gets his, a right perspective. He gets a right perspective on what happens. He understands actually that evil people will be dealt according to their evil deeds. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. We don't wish that on them, but that is the Bible. God will deal with evil in this world. God will deal. He is a, he, this is where people get a bit crazy. Well, God's a God of love. Yes, he is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. And he will bring ju- justice and judgment to situations. And Asaph understands that actually those unfaithful people will be dealt with. But let's get our eyes off this. He begin, begins to declare the wonders and the faithfulness and the grace and the blessing of his God. Now, this is what I want to say to you. If you want big help, there's three things I want to say to you, and this is very important. Forget a notepad and pen. Write these down. They're worthy of writing down. The first thing is this, from the life of Asaph, from this psalm. When you're at your worst, God is at his best. When you are at your worst, God is at his best. Listen to me. God's big enough to handle your crying out and your frustration. That's why it's in the Bible. That's why I've been very vulnerable and transparent with you. You might think me, I'm up here and I do the whatever preaching and declaring and praying. and whoa, But I want to tell you, sometimes I feel at my absolute worst. I want to say prayers like, God, kill them. And kill them quickly. God, just sort those people out. They are doing my head in. I don't say that about you, of course. No, I don't. That's true, actually. But there's just some things. And I'm at my worst. Listen to me. When you are at your worst, God is at his best. God isn't troubled by your attitude. God isn't troubled by your tantrum. God isn't troubled by you kicking off and crying out. You get it. Let it all out in prayer. I'm serious. Let it all out. Tell him. Because when you're at your worst, God is at his best. God still continues to show love towards you. I, I just used this as an example this morning. When I'm at my worst, this dear lady on the front, she's never at her worst, honestly. She, she, it's true, she's angelic. She glows in the dark. She has angels that, ri- <laughs> she has angels that river dance on the duvet. It's wonderful to watch them. It's just terrific. I'm joking, okay. But my dear wife here, she doesn't have, have she can have a little, she goes a bit quiet as sometimes ladies do. But me, I can rant and rave. And when I'm at my worst, I can't even use this. Let's use it in the context of other contexts. When you're at your worst, it often brings out the worst 
in the other party. Is that true? When you're at your worst, you know, the net goes out, yeah, and you bring out the worst. So if I was at my worst with this man, by God's grace, we never will go toe-to-toe. But I'm sure if I was at my worst, I'd bring out the worst in him. We never want that to happen with any of us. But let me tell you, in a relationship with God, when I'm at my worst, it pours God. God, all he does is shows love towards me. Don't be frightened by telling God exactly how you feel. God is a loving, considerate, compassionate, loving father. My friend David Sherman, we were having a, um, we was, Caroline and I was with David and Dorothy and we are having lunch this year with them. And uh, Dor- Dorothy and Caroline were nattering away. And as David does, if anybody knows David, he weeps. He's just, he's just a weeper, he's a crier. Not a crier baby. I don't want that on podcast going to him. He'll duff me up when he sees me. But he just gets moved by the things. And we were talking about the things of the Spirit. And he began to weep and I began to weep. As he just began to, over a table, just began to talk to me about something that impacted him. A guy by the name of Brennan Manning, Catholic priest, who's now in glory. And uh, he was a theologian. And uh, he was asked the question, what would God say if he came down? He says, the thing is you need to understand is this. God only has one message to each and every one of us. And that is how much he loves us. It doesn't get any more basic or as profound as that. You see, when you're at your worst, God is always at his best. He loves you. I wish you'd just know how much he loves you. He is deeply committed to you. Even when you get it wrong, even when I get it wrong, when I'm at my worst, he continues to pour his love upon us. What a great God. What an awesome God. And Asaph got an idea of that because we see the last verses that we read, I think it's from 25 to 23 to 25, he began to see how God was faithful towards him, how God was gracious towards him. The second thing I want you to know is this, when you are at your worst, the place you need to be is in the house of God. Second point, when you are at your worst, the house of God is essential. Verse 17, it all changed. Verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. But then verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. It's another phrase for the house of God, the church of God. It's not not just the building, it's the people of God. Till I entered the people of God, the house of God, then I understood their final destiny. There was a right perspective that came when he came into the house of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you feel at your worst, the last place you want to be is here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People can say to you, oh, get to church, John. It's where you don't want to be, but internally you're just thinking, John, he's flipping, just leave me alone, John. I don't want to know about this flipping church. I don't want to be there. But actually when you're at your worst, the best place for you to be is in the house of God. It really is. And don't ever be afraid. We don't want it all going all crazy and overtaking us. But don't be afraid to say, listen, would you pray for me? 
You know, I'm in crisis. Paul, would you pray for me, please? Because I need some prayer. And there's people around here who will not invade your privacy, but they will stand with you in prayer. When you are at your worst, the house of God is essential. That is why the gathered church is so important. That is why small group is so important. That is why dealing beyond small group, twos and threes, is so important. To just connect with people. Because sometimes we don't always feel there, do we? We don't always feel like we can take giants on. We don't always feel great. But actually, if we're not going to live by our feelings, if we're going to live by faith, we need sometimes Andy to say to me, mate, I've got your back. And he said that to me before. He said, I want you to know I've got your back. I've got your back. I need to hear that at times. There's occasions when you've said that, Andy, and I've really needed to know it. I know when I meet with the elders... There's just a sense in which there's, and staff, and some of you guys who I connect with younger, I just, there's a sense of just, I'm not doing this alone. And you're not doing this alone. And Asaph realized it. So are you getting this big help? Because when you feel your worst, God is at his best. When you feel at your worst, the church of God is essential. The house of God, please come. Don't think that, oh, no, I can't be doing with it. No, this is where you need to be. I am always encouraged when, when people say to me, when I just go around, they said, you know what, I was feeling really low, I've had a really rubbish week. You can imagine the words sometimes that people use when they say rubbish, I've had a real rubbishy week. But then they say, but I feel so much better from being here tonight. And the third thing, if you want big help, I just see it from this, from, from this, from this passage of scripture, when you are at your worst, we always remember The truth of God's word. When you're at your worst, remember the truth of God's word. Because if you live by feeling, you will not live by this word of God. And we are called to walk by faith. And our confidence is in this word. When Jesus was at his worst, you say, well, when that, there's two occasions when we see Jesus at his worst. One of them was at the end of his ministry, the other one was at the beginning of his ministry. We see Jesus at his worst in the most pain when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was in such excruciating pain of spirit and of body because he knew what he was going to have to go through. But we also see Jesus at his worst was on the back of the finish of a 40-day fast because he was physically diminished. He was spiritually diminished. There was something that had happened that was just like depleting from his life. And Satan, Lucifer himself, comes and visits Jesus in the wilderness. You know the story. And tempts him in all kinds of ways and manners by eat this and bow down to me. But what does Jesus do? Every time you know this, he doesn't use his word. What does he use? He uses the the scripture, the word of God. It is written, he uses the word of God. When you feel at your worst, stand on the truth of God's word. Even though everything may not be changing around you, stand on the truth of God's word. There are some people here who are believing for loved ones to be saved. I prayed it in there. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You need to confess and stand upon that word tonight. It may seem like everything is opposed to that. And you're, if you're not careful, you'll live by the feelings. But I want to encourage you to live by the word 
of God. When we feel weak, God says, in your weakness, I'll make you strong. When you feel poor, God says, I'll make you rich. When you feel downcast, let's take the scriptures. Oh, why are you so downcast in me? Heart, put your trust in the living God. You know, there are times when I felt at my worst, when I haven't wanted to come to church, and you people have lifted me. There's times when I've been at my worst, and I've known that God is at his best because I felt his loving arms around me. And there's been times when I've been at my worst, when the truth of God's word has held me. Because otherwise we will live according to what we see and not according to the truth of God's eternal word. Please may I encourage you to receive big help from me tonight. These are things that will keep you just centered. They'll keep you moving forward. It's, we're not devoid of problems. We're not devoid of difficulties. They're still around our lives. They come to all of us. Challenges, tests come to all of us. But with these principles, and just with the encouragement from Asaph, let's hold to God. Let me just read Psalm 28, and I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and I wonder if Josh would come and just finish up. He's going to just pray and just make an appeal. But it says this here. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Let me encourage you to continue to reach out to God for big help. Whatever challenges you're facing, God is able to help you. And when you're at your worst, God is at his best. Amen? I wonder if we'll bow our heads.